All right, thank you for joining our podcast, Cocktails and Bullshit, hosted by none other than Scott Heim and yours truly, Lou Rivera. This is a podcast where we talk about anything and everything. We'll see if we can have a few laughs along the way while sharing a cocktail. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. Are you ready? Let's get it on. All right, guys, welcome back to the show, Cocktails and Bullshit. Thank you so much for coming back and joining our podcast. We've got a lot to talk about. Me and uh, Scott, we're talking. We've got a lot on our mind, and there's a lot going on this week, so we're just going to get right to it. Scott, how are you doing, bud? Lou, I am great today, coming at you from beautiful Cincinnati, Ohio. We uh, we took a little trip down south from Toledo, about a three-hour drive. We're actually going to hit the FC Cincinnati soccer match tonight which i've never been to my son's coming over for athens and uh we're gonna meet at the soccer match a little a little proper football as they say in the uk tonight so excited to have a morning here in cincinnati to get cocktails and bullshit off and running for another week ah, i love cincinnati you know the best thing about cincinnati is the downtown right you can just cross right over the bridge and you're into kentucky yeah for sure. It's it's nice. We're excited about it. We're going to go to they got a whole area down there, I guess, in this whole, uh, you know, the, the over the Rhine area, which used to be the worst part of town. I guess they've they've, you know, really modernized. And that's where this uh, the, the grounds for the stadium are for FC Cincinnati and Rhine guys breweries down that way. So we're we're going to get down there early. They say it gets a little congested and uh, enjoy the whole scene and take it in. Fantastic. So what do you want to talk about? Man, I tell you what, you know me, I, I've always got a little bit cooking. First, I'd like to do a little follow-up to the last week. We talked a little bit about my coffee and Mike Lindell, and, and you challenged me to, to get out there and have a little, a little my coffee, to give it a go. And, uh, and I explored that a little further, and he does indeed have, have the K-Cups. You know, he has the he, – he refers to them as pods. I'm, I'm sure there's some trademarking going on there. He has to call them pods, and they are, in fact, K-Cups for the Keurig. And, and I got to tell you, I was about to pull the trigger on some, keep my commitment to our crowd here. And uh, and they were they only came in a 30 pack and they were thirty dollars. So they were a buck a pot. And I guess my question to you, Lou, is, I, you know me, I'm always preaching there's a right time and a wrong time to get cheap. But but man, a, a dollar, a cake cup. I mean, I, I'm, I'm good for whatever it costs to keep my commitment to the crowd here. But, but currently I pay, you know, about 50 cents for my, my Starbucks Sumatra cake cup and my, my green mountain bold from Sam's club. And, and I understand that, you know, the, my pillow guy is not a warehouse store. I understand that, but, but I feel like a, a buck a cake cup is a little rich, man, for, for something that's not necessarily cause marketing. You, you tell me, Lou, you keep it real on this show, as we always say. And, am I getting cheap at the wrong time? And should I just pop for the money and let's try this thing? <laughs> I totally get you. That is a lot of money. You know, a dollar per K cup. Huh. You know, I don't consider myself uh, cheap. I consider myself frugal. But I would have a hard time spending that kind of money, too. You know, maybe uh, somebody out there in the audience has it, or maybe they bought it. They can tell us what it uh, tastes like. Or if you want, we don't have a big budget on this show, but if you go and spend $15 on it, I'll put another 15 in there just to check it out. Yeah, you know, I, I was thinking, and, and that dollar a K-Cup was with the promo code, to be clear, because you know my man Mike Lindell's always got a promo code going, right? And, and I was thinking one of two things. I was, I was thinking, yeah, we could split it, or, or maybe, you know, 
maybe if he just came out with a 12 pack, I mean, I don't mind popping 12 bucks for, you know, to give it a go and give it a test. But uh, if I get 30 of those and, and it tastes like donut shop coffee, which I am not a fan. I, I, in my household, my wife likes what I refer to affectionately as black water. She, she likes that, that black water that doesn't even taste like coffee, you know, that I commonly refer to as donut shop coffee. And I just don't really want to pay 30 bucks for 30 K cups that taste like black water. So, you know what? Maybe I just reach out to Mike Lindell myself this week, shoot him a little note, let him know about a little thing called cocktails and bullshit. And maybe he gives us a little extra promo code or kicks us a couple little comp cups across and and we have a little taste on here how about i follow up with that for next week well like i said i don't mind kicking in uh 15 to see what it tastes like i did hear him on the commercial the other day and uh he was pimping that coffee yeah he's on it uh, you know like i said you know he he tells you he's he's harvesting the the very best beans in the world you know so we'll see what he comes up with well i'll shoot him a little email we'll see what we get he seems like a nice guy i bet he responds well that'll be interesting well you know last week i was uh talking about a pizza that i had in montgomery alabama and i totally forgot to even tell you what the place was and it's a big street pizza company and he and gina went there last night i think we have gone there like six times since we've been here the pizza, it is so good. I can't even describe it. Uh, it's one of our best places since we've been here. And uh, I actually, we, me and Gina and I have a small channel on uh, YouTube. It's called Van Gogh Travelers, V-A-N-N-G-O. And I actually did a video on Montgomery, Alabama. And it's really just a, kind of a chill video. Uh, usually I'll go into a town or a city and I'll walk around and uh, just shoot video on the city itself. So it's really chill. It might be for you. Check it out. But I did do a video on Montgomery, Alabama, downtown uh, Montgomery. I really enjoyed it. I think it's a really nice place and it is super clean. So we really enjoyed that last night. We got uh, to go out and just have a date night. And um, yeah, that pizza was so good. That's awesome, man. That, you know, it's funny that whole style, you know, that style kind of pushing that way. You know, I've, I've never explored that area and the people that are down there love it, man. Yeah, everybody here is so nice. I've got to say, uh, we've had we have not had any issues whatsoever. Even walking downtown, you feel safe. All right, so let's go ahead and continue on and uh, talk about a main topic that seems to be the uh, buzz of the week. Mr. Joe Biden, the uh, leader of the free world, is wanting to forgive student loans. He uh, ran on that campaign, and he's uh, saying that if you make under one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, he's willing to forgive from $10,000 to $20,000 of those student loans. What is your take on that? Lou Rivera, I think I may have told you that I always wanted a tattoo, and, and my kids, I wanted them to get one with me. They never would. Short story, longer story for another day. And about a year or so, I finally got one on my own, and it says Carpe Fortuna, which in my mind means seize the good fortune, which translated to me from what my father always said, Scotty, Sometimes it pays to be luckier and good. Lou, today is our day to be luckier than good because we finally have a topic that mostly both sides agree with. I mean, honest to goodness, there, there are Democrats, there are Republics, Republicans who think this is the craziest thing ever. Folks, eliminate one tax loophole out of a trillion six hundred billion worth, for, a, a trillion four hundred billion worth. 
out of a billion four hundred <laughs> million, excuse me, a trillion four hundred billion dollars. It's hard to even say it so much. <laughs> Holy shit! You know, I always try to keep keep the balance with our listening audience and kind of stay. You know, I, I certainly am in conservative and, and on the right side of things, but but try to keep it open for the people. This one, no, 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 no. It's the most ridiculous thing that we have done. It is flat out buying votes. It is so insulting to anyone out there that has has a trade career, a blue collar career, and any parent, any any individual that has put themselves through college, uh, anyone who who is doing anything else and couldn't afford college. It is so insulting to all of those people groups. For the life of me, I don't know how this clown in that office came up with this one. Yeah, it's beyond me. And, you know, when you really think about it, how disrespectful uh, to the people that have actually given up a lot to send their kids to school. I think it's sending such a bad message out there. And um, I'm not for it. You know, Gina's got a student loan that she still owes. But at the same time, uh, we don't agree with it. I think that uh, this is a bad move. And I think you're right. They are buying votes for this come November. And uh, I don't think it's, I think it's going to backfire on them. Um, you know, they put out that other bill and they said it was going to reduce inflation and they had an amount that it was going to reduce. I think this is going to offset it. So really, what are they trying to get at here? I don't understand it. I think it's it's idiotic. I think it's irresponsible. Stagnant Joe is handing out money like lollipops. He's also going to build a, a border wall around one of his vacation homes. Now get this. It's going to cost $500,000 of taxpayer money, our money, to build this wall. I don't know what the reason for it is. The only thing I can guess is that he's trying to... Uh, keep out the racist people, the neo-Nazis, the white supremacists, and of course, the deplorables away from him. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, there, there, there are a couple people groups that have been historically been, you know, in, the, in that middle ground, you know, and, and I don't know them as intimately as I should, but, but I, I, I know the one because it's, you know, it's that suburban housewife that's, you know, kind of in our age bracket. So that, that one's my wife. So I always kind of go to her and say, hey, so what do you think? You know, because I like when I hear on TV that it's a suburban housewife, I like to go to my wife and say, what do you think? Do you agree with that? And kind of marry up the two and see, see what it is. I mean, that person is the person that runs the household, runs the families. That's the person that says, no, we're going to tighten the belt. We're not going to get a lake house. We're not going to get a Harley. We're not going to get a boat. We're not going to get a camper. We're going to save a little money so we can put our three kids through school. My wife put herself through school and, and from right out of the gate, you know, the most important thing to her was to save money to put our kids through school. And, and we did without so that we could account like that was goal number one. We did not want our kids, you know, that, that was the thing she did. She wanted a different way about it than she had to do for herself because she didn't want that burden for the kids. And we've accomplished that. Good for you, man. But we've given up a lot the entire way to do that and make that happen. And uh, it's just, uh, as you can tell, I'm on a morning rant today because that is so frustrating to me that this clown did that. Yeah, I remember when uh, this guy approached Elizabeth Warren. And I got to say, that is one person that gets underneath my skin. But uh, he approached her and he said to her, me and my wife, we put all our kids through college and we sacrificed so much. We did not 
buy a car, we didn't go on vacation, while all my friends, they would go out and enjoy themselves. We sacrifice ourselves so we can put our kids through college. And he wanted to know if there was any money they were going to give back. And her response to that was, absolutely not. I mean, how do you fucking get away with that with a straight face? It's like a slap in the face to all of us. Totally. You know, it, it's funny, Lou. Like, like, you know, like Gina, very smart, right? Super, super smart. I mean, you, you let's just let's just say it for the people. You outkicked your coverage, just like I outkicked <laughs> my coverage. I mean, you know, we we have we have amazing, you know, wives in our lives to keep us on the straight and narrow. I'm not a smart guy. I barely made it out of college. I had no desire to go back for for any graduate work. You know, not my thing. And and I I applaud and appreciate. There is so much work out there for trade crafts right now. The work that Mike Rowe's doing and, and saying, man, we need plumbers. We need electricians. We need carpenters. I mean, that you can't find those people today. It took us four months to do a bathroom project because we could not find a, a contractor to do the work. And, and for those folks who, who, you know, first aren't celebrated as a great career path that that, that is today, and for secondly, if, if they did that themselves as, you know, because they couldn't go to college or whatever, I mean, it, it's a slap in the face to them with this whole thing. It, it's just crazy in every direction. And I guess if anything, going back to my being luckier than good, if we've built a foundation for our, our listening audience to say we really do kind of try to hear both sides of the story, um, you know, politicians are a, a mess in every damn direction. And here we go again. Yeah, I don't think uh, Joe Biden has the power to do that. Pelosi uh, said a while back that something like that would have to go through Congress. It can't be determined by one person. And I think Joe is trying to make good on that promise because he campaigned on that a while back when uh, he was running for president. But think about it. If you owe forty-five dollars to $60,000 on a student loan and they're giving you $10,000, let us say $20,000, you still owe a lot on that loan. So... Personally, I don't think this is a win-win situation for anyone, and I think it's going to bite them in the ass. Yeah, and and I tell you, man, I've stayed off of this one too because I just think it's just not a polite thing to talk about. But but since he's crazy and he's illustrated he's crazy with this most recent move, have you heard the video of him talking about this where he goes off on the tangent about going to see his dad at the car dealership and he's got the spikes in his hands and uh, you know, his, his baseball spikes. And, I, and he just goes down this path of like, what are you talking about? He's incompetent. He, he, somebody in his, in his cabinet told him to do this. He has, he doesn't even know that he's not allowed to do it. It's a hot mess. Well, look at the press secretary, Corrine Jean Pierre. I think I'm pronouncing her name right, but she seems like a good person. She's kind of in a hard place. I wouldn't want her job even if they pay me $180,000, which is what she's making. But I don't know who's better, if she's better or Circle Back Girl, but fucking Corrine does not have the answer to anything. Like, reporters ask her questions, and she never has the answer. You know, me and uh, Gina, we went to McDonald's the other day, and I really feel bad because I don't know when things are going to get back to normal, but it really kind of sucks. You can't go out, and you can't eat, and you can't have a good time. We went to McDonald's, the service was lousy, the food was lousy, and, you know, employees nowadays, they don't really give a shit. 
They don't give a shit if they get fired. I was watching this uh, program the other day, Undercover Boss, and it kind of struck me because he had to go in there and stop operation. And the first thing that one of the employees had said when he brought them together was, are we fired? And he said, no, no, you guys are not fired. We just got to make sure that things uh, are being done correctly. And, you know, back when people were afraid to get fired, now they don't give a shit. And it's, it's hard on the managers because, you know, employees come in there and they're only doing the minimum. They're not doing more than they have to. And for a manager to really motivate somebody and get somebody to do something is really hard these days. And you know how that would go. That would put them in jeopardy of losing someone. And it's hard to find employees nowadays, so they're not going to risk it. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, you know, you know, I'm in the food service industry, and uh, you know, to add on to what you're saying, the other effect is that the people that do show up are getting, you know, grinded into the ground because they're working doubles and and you know, full, you know, twice, you're covering for people that aren't showing up, and and so those poor people who your servers, uh, you know, your 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 pot washers, your wait staff, you know, what whatever kind of restaurant you're going to, they're just worn out and. And so, you know, you're sitting there as a customer, you finally get waited on, the service is slow. It's so easy to take it out on those folks, but those folks have been there since 8 a.m. They worked a breakfast and lunch and now they're working your dinner because um, there's nobody else to do it. So we we started tipping when, you know, I, I've spent a career in food service and I always said people got to eat, as I think I've shared before. And, and you know, this pandemic was the first time that, that my job was in jeopardy because people stopped eating. It's never happened before. So so when we got wait staff back and we were allowed to go out and eat again, we started tipping, you know, a little harder than usual just to kind of we we're we we're just happy people were working. And, man, we've we've done that for a couple of years now because it's still not back. I mean, that, you know, we talk about the good that will come out of covid one day. And 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 I, I think we got to talk about one day, you know, the mess that was made with all the awful decisions. And I'm spider webbing a little bit here on your topic. But, you know, Fauci. Fauci announcing he's leaving. Well, we're talking about clowns, Lou. We're talking about Fauci, <laughs> who, uh, you know, decided he's going to retire now. Yeah, he's retiring because they're covering after him as soon as uh, as soon as the Republicans take over and, you know, and, and get the majority back. They're going to go after that clown for the horrible decisions that will not be really seen for, for years to come. I mean, the 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 block of kids. That, that, you know, at, at critical times in, in their education were were stopped, you know, that you don't, they, I can't learn today like you can in, in you know, third grade through ninth grade, you know, you, you reach a place where you're un, uneducatable. And and I think there's a lot of kids that, that had a year removed from the most important years where they can really learn, you know. Yeah, some people might question what I say in regards to the, uh, the corruption and the uh, bullshit that's going on with this administration. But what really gets me is that you look at the DOJ and the FBI, they haven't done jack shit about uh, Hunter Biden's laptop or Hillary's deleted emails, but yet they don't have any problem going after Donald Trump and raiding his home. Talk about the uh, lopsided unfairness that's going on. It's it's politics at its worst. We crossed the line a few years back where everybody decided, uh, you know, I don't know. Was it was, was it the you know, while we're talking about clowns and he's a clown on the right side of the aisle. I'm not a big um, 
Mitch McConnell fan. And uh, I think I think he's done some right things, but I think he's a clown. I think he's a politician. And, uh, you know, uh, was he right to hold back the, the Supreme Court nominee? I, OK, I would say yes, because it wasn't a nominee I wanted. But did that start? Was that the first domino to tumble for the the silliness that's been been going on ever since? I don't know if that was the first domino. I'm just talking off the cuff here. But I mean, the level of silly that's been going on now, back and forth, tit for tat, and and who has to has to grind through it all, just trying to you know live their lives every day? Joe Joe Public, Joe Joe American Public person, you know, crazy, 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 crazy. Yeah, we'll see what happens in November. Uh, hopefully things do change. And you know what? I don't really care. You know, I, I may talk about the uh, the Democrats. I, I honestly, I don't care. Democrat, Republican, just have good policies. If you have if you were a Democrat and you had great policies, I'd be right there with you. Uh, but right now we we are not headed in the right direction. So 74 percent of the people think that we this country is going the wrong way. And I'm probably one of them. I don't like the policies that they have now. I think the things that they're doing are idiotic. And most of those don't make any sense. All the things that they have done so far, what has it accomplished? Really nothing. Yeah, totally agree. I agree all the way with what you said. I, I'm, I'm great for whoever writes the policy, whichever side of the aisle, make it be good policy that moves this country forward. Exactly. I want to see all people groups taken care of. Uh, I'm good for policy that does that. And I want to see all people groups, you know, thriving and working and building and accomplishing and doing all those things that, that America's built on. So, yeah, I think we're going to have politics cooking early today. Yeah, it boils down to having law and order in this country. And um, we need that. So, Scott, we're just about halfway through the uh, podcast. Let's go ahead and take a short break. And when we get back, you can go ahead and start that cocktail. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. I love it. So, Lou, today, because you and I are on early morning, and and as much as I love me a fantastic breakfast cocktail, I'm, I'm actually... I'm going to speak to a wonderful cocktail today, and I'm actually going to have it a little later because it's just yet a little early. Our, our proper football game doesn't start till later on in the afternoon, so I, I don't want to be asleep showing up for that. So we're not going to quite start this early, but I'm going to speak to what I would have if we were tailgating at a, at a fighting Irish Notre Dame football game that was going to go off at noon. This is what we'd be having. And this one's going to be a little bit different because I want to speak to a brand that I am absolutely in love with. And again, I don't get any freebies. I don't get a, a, a royalty check from this company. I literally stumbled onto it from my sister-in-law. And as much as I love my sister-in-law, I don't give her much credit, but man, she gets full credit for this one. There is a tonic water brand, actually a brand of, of, of beverages that go with lots of cocktails and their main line is tonic water. And it's called Fever Tree. Like, I got a fever, and I need a cowbell, you know, fever. Fever Tree is the name of the brand, and they make a range of tonic waters and ginger beers. And, and man, you know my theme. There's a right time and wrong time to get cheap. Fever Tree costs damn near double, but it's worth every penny. So I want to talk a little bit about if I was having a breakfast cocktail right now, I would. There, there's a cocktail called a Sea Breeze. And the, and the traditional sea breeze is gin, about three ounces of gin, 
I'm a heavy pour. I think most would say two, but about three ounces of gin, a little bit of grapefruit, a little bit of cranberry. That's kind of your classic sea breeze cocktail. It's been around forever. But when you're out, you know, tailgating, you need to, you know, you don't quite have the range to set up the full bar. I'm telling you, Beaver Tree makes what they call a pink grapefruit tonic water. Beaver Tree, pink grapefruit tonic water. Throw in about three ounces of gin over a full glass of ice, a rocks glass or a tall, kind of like a Collins glass full of ice. Uh, three ounces of gin and then just crack open that bottle of the Fever Tree Pink Grapefruit Tonic Water and pour it over. And you have the best sea breeze you've ever had in your life. Absolutely amazing. Have you ever heard of Fever Tree by chance? I know you're not a big cocktail guy. You ever seen the brand in a store? No, I have not, my friend. But just by the name, it sounds damn good. Yeah, it, it, Fever Tree, you can't go wrong. And and here's where my sister-in-law nailed it for me. As I've said before, I'm I'm a savory guy. I'm not a sweet guy. And I'm actually trying to keep my carbs down. They make a Fever Tree refreshingly light. That's that's kind of the 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 flavor, if you will. It's called refreshingly light. Uh, and it it's a light tonic water. It does not taste aspartame. Does not taste diety. It's pretty low in carbs. I don't have one right in front of me, but I feel like it's like a four or five uh, carb count, pretty low for a tonic water, not real sugary. And it, it really lets panicles of the gin come through versus being masked with just an over-the-top sugary tonic water. So she, the first time I, ha I happened to have a cocktail at her house, I was like, wow, is this a new gin? What, you, what am I drinking here? And she's like, no, no, that's a bee feeder. Yeah, I just got the fever tree. I'm like, what? Fever tree? And she showed me. I, I, and I went to the store and my eyes popped out of my head when I saw it was like $3.99, a four pack. I've been buying it ever since. I mean, it, it, you just, it makes the cocktail so delicious. The refreshingly light is my go tail, go to. The pink grapefruit is my breakfast cocktail. And then they have a, a Mediterranean tonic water, which just has kind of some interesting herbs into it that's really delicious. And then, and then probably my second or third favorite behind all the ones I've said already, they make an elderflower. And, and gin is all about the botanicals. It's all about the herbs and the, and the popping of the juniper and the, the real earthy tones. And every one of these fever tree tonic waters just makes it pop. Um, and then I'm not, I'm not a big mule drinker. They, you know, your classic mule with, with vodka and ginger beer. But I have had the Fever Tree ginger beer as well, and it's it's also delicious. So, you know, a, li a little bit different than our normal shaker, shaker, shake, uh, hashtag uh, sippity sip that, that Lou Rivera founded. Uh, a little different this morning with just more speaking to this tonic water brand of Fever Tree. But I'm telling you, folks, go spend the money on it. Pick one of those flavors you'll love. Uh, love the pink grapefruit for a breakfast cocktail. You will not be disappointed. Well, you know, uh, we're not actually having a cocktail and a beer this uh, today because uh, my time is 9 a.m. And I guess your time is, what, 10 a.m. over in Cincinnati? Yes, sir. I'm here Eastern time. Yeah, so it's pretty early. Uh, we don't want to become alcoholics on the show. But let me talk about what I had. And uh, it's always hard to uh, compete with what you're what you're having. But I am a beer slob. The uh, other day I went and went to a dollar general and when we're in these small towns that's probably the closest thing that we have close to us dollar general family dollar dollar tree what have you uh, if we wanted to go to a supermarket we're about 25 minutes away 
So I picked up some beer there, and it was uh, Ice House, which I think is 5.5% alcohol, uh, the cheapest beer that you can you can have. I think it was $7.50 for a 15-pack. Uh, but you know what? I got to say, I like PBR, so it's right there along the lines of PBR. Uh, so the, the, the beer tastes really good. I, I wasn't complaining. But I've got to tell you what I normally use now with beer, and I don't know if you've tried it. Have you tried uh, True Lime Crystals? I have not. Tell me about those. Yeah, so you can get these at the grocery store. I think the last place that uh, I saw them was Walmart. We get ours online because they offer different flavors, and I'll get into that in just a sec. But yeah, dude, you take these packets, and they're crystallized lime. It's made with real limes. You pour that in your beer, and that shit tastes just like you just squeezed a lime into it. It tastes so good. The ones that we get online, uh, they have orange, they've got lemon, they've got grapefruit, and you can also get the lime online as well. So if you haven't tried it, go ahead. I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. Yeah. I'll, I'll give that a shot, man. When we lived in El Paso, Texas, it was like living on the sun. I mean, you you know, my ancestors are potato farmers. I mean, I, I got so much Irish in me. Me me and the sun, like, we just don't get along very well, right? And uh, that's where I would drink more of that lighter style as I, you know, as I snobbishly refer to today as grass-cutting beer. You know, there, there's a place for grass-cutting beer. And when it was hot, 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 after you cut the yard or if you live in El Paso, Texas, and you're sitting by your pool, there's just nothing better than, than pulling on a on the top of an ice cold Modelo or, or like you said, one of those ice houses, you know, and, and squeezing that lime to, as they did in El Paso, the limon, you know, like a like a uh, almost a quarter of a glass of fresh limon with the beer on top was so damn refreshing. And in the hot sun, we used to drink them all the time down there. So I'm with you on that. I will try those crystals, man. Sounds sounds fantastic. Yeah, definitely. You can put these in your pocket and just take them along with you. So if you have a beer somewhere, just pour that in. And uh, yeah, the grapefruit and the orange are just fantastic. And the lime, uh, the lemon, I usually don't put it in beer. I just use that with water and add a little bit of sugar to it. And I've got lemonade. But yeah, it's something to try, something uh, to check out if you haven't already. Lou, Lou I got to tell you. So this week, I'm because you and I are the same age. We're a couple old guys, right? I'm having a conversation with some young people. We were in a work environment. We were working a trade show this week, and we were killing some time in between customers. And, and I was trying to explain to this young person that, that the, you know, the, the Bud Light bottle that you get at the store today or the Coors Light bottle, you know, the big brown bottle, that back in the day you couldn't get those in the grocery store. You know, the, those were a bar bottle, and you would get a bar bottle only in a bar, and you would get small bottles or different bottles or more likely cans in the grocery store unless you went to a specific carryout that sold cases of those bar bottles and you paid a deposit on them and you had to bring them back. Do you remember that when, when you couldn't get like that bar bottle at retail? You could only get that from like a distributor or in a bar. Well, I don't know about you, but I was pretty young, so I, I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't remember that. When was, when was that? Man, I'm telling you, it was it called it the mid '80s. The mid '80s, you, you, you could not get. When I say a bar bottle, I'm talking like the brown bottle that that you know most beers come in today. That traditional bottle that's in a six pack. 
those were bar bottles and you could only so so example like like a bottle of miller came in the little seven ounce grenades or it came in a can or it came in that bottle that was like a tall slender bottle but you could not get the bar bottle unless you were sitting in a bar or if you went to a carry out that sold sold returnables and you would get a, a case of 24 in a big like heavy duty case where the lid would like the top of the case would flip up and it would be full of 24 bar bottles. And and if you took those to a party, everybody thought you were cool because you had bar bottles and you could only get those in a bar. And now you, you had them at this party, but then you had to go chase everybody down because you paid a deposit. You had to get your bottles back. So you could take that case back to your, uh, your carry out and, and turn it in for a new case and keep your deposit. Yeah. I'm old, man. I told you I'm old. <laughs> Yeah, I don't recall that, but it's definitely interesting. I think uh, that is a northern thing. I've never seen people return can and bottles down here in the south. When me and Gina lived up in Buffalo, New York, all the uh, grocery stores would have these machines, and you would put in the bottle or can, and it would give you a refund. Uh, when you finish, it would just give you a receipt with the amount. You bring it up to the register, and they pay you out. Yeah. We used to have the same with, you know, as, as we say in, in Northern Ohio, pop bottles. You know, if you used to be able to buy an eight pack of Coke and it came in a 16 ounce bottle bottles and those were returnable. So as a kid, mm-hmm. you, were, you were always looking for those bottles, to, you know, because you, you, you'd take a bunch of those bottles back to the grocery store and, you know, get a dollar eighty and you go buy yourself some candy or whatever. Yeah, no doubt. So uh, moving on to the next subject. You wanted to uh, talk about airplane etiquette? Yeah, man. While we're on the topic of me being an old man, as my wife says, I got old man down better than anybody. So, you know, I'm, I'm on an airplane almost every week. And, I, and I'm going to sincerely try to ask you this question to keep me on the straight and narrow. And you, as you always do, you keep it real. And you can say, hi, I'm just being an old man with that one. But, but I got a couple of things. All right. So the first thing is to check or not check your bag. And and I'll I'll declare mine, and then you can tell me if I'm old man or not old man or somewhere in between. But I I there's a couple of reasons why I won't get them on the show, but mostly it's because I'm lazy. I check my bag every time I fly somewhere, and honest to God, I mean it's it by the time I get to the luggage claim, my bag's up within five minutes. And and I, I I mean I don't put rockets on the moon. I'm not a physicist. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a brain surgeon. There's nothing that I do that's that important that I can't wait five minutes for my luggage to come up. And knock wood, in 15 years, I think my luggage is. I can count on one hand how many times my luggage has been lost in the last 15 years. And and I'm I'm diamond on Delta. I mean I fly almost every week. I, it's just not worth it to me to lug that luggage onto the plane to find a home for it to fight with everybody to get a spot for it and and all of the anxiousness that comes with that i just check it and i walk freely and it shows up when i get to where i'm going old man not old man am i am i being grumpy Nah, i don't think so are you talking about a carry-on bag or an actual luggage I, i'm talking about the small carry-on luggage that fits in the overhead bin watching people fight for space over that just makes me insane when there's a giant space underneath all of the seats called the bottom of the airplane where all that shit fits perfectly 
Yeah, I, I get that. Uh, you know, if I got a small bag, I normally take it with me and take it on board. And the only reason I kind of do that is because I've had a bad experience. I had to check something in, uh, check some luggage in. Now, granted, this was from Dominican Republic coming back to the United States. And I didn't want to take my electronics with me. So I put, a, put them inside the baggage. And I even had a lock on it when I, I got to... Uh, to the states i got my bag the lock taken off and all the electronics was were stolen out of it so that's just my bad experience uh if it's a big bag obviously i'm going to check it underneath and let it ride if it's a small bag i'm going to just take it with me uh, i know where it's at i don't have to wait i take it when i get off of the plane and i'm good to go all right so so thing number two from a very early age, I've all we have always taught our kids to carry your own weight. Don't pack more than you can carry. And I know this you're going to say, hi, you're just being a rude MRF or old man here. But when I see these people come down with a bag down the aisle and they can't lift their bag up and they take like three people out trying to get their bag up into the, the overhead bin. And then there's always some wonderful gentleman who my wife says, see, why can't you be a gentleman like that? And, and it helps them get their bag in the overhead bin. I say to my wife, well, I can be a gentleman like that. But we taught our kids only carry, only only take with you what you can carry. And I would not, uh, in addition to maybe being a nice gentleman, I would be an enabler. And and I don't want to be an enabler. They're, they're never going to learn to quit packing more than they can carry. If they don't understand that they can't get their damn bag that I'm mad they're bringing anyway up into the overhead bin. Do I break the old man rules with that one too? <laughs> <laughs> uh depends on how you look at it i mean yeah i feel you i know what you're where you're coming from i, I probably would do the same thing uh depending on how i feel and how sorry i feel for the person maybe if it's a, a young lady that just uh, can't get it overhead uh, i would probably be more inclined to help her out if it's a young dude and he's got no issues with that and he's struggling maybe i'll, I'll just let that ride and uh let him do his thing See, Lou, that's why you're the good man. That's why you are the good man in our relationship, because I'm, I'm the grumpy-ass old man. I got two more, and then I will stop my rant on airplane etiquette. Clearly, clearly, this is my Saturday morning therapy session. I'd like to thank everybody for having it with me. These last two, it's yeah, I call them the pop-up, and I call them the waiter, as in, like, wait-er, waiter. So the pop-up, he pops up out of his seat, like, before the plane's even parked. Like, like the plane is easing into the gate, the pop-up is up, and he's declaring to everyone that he has a connection. Well, guess what? I mean, half the freaking plane has a connection to make. And when your ass gets up and you junk up everything, I mean, didn't we learn in, like, kindergarten? Like, there's a line. Like, this side goes, that side goes. This side goes, that side goes. If you're in traffic, this person goes, this person goes. This person, you hit a stop sign. This person goes, this person goes. Why does someone in the middle of the plane have to pop up, go charging up the aisle? Now that person that's trying to get out, because they can only make it about five feet before everybody's up. So that turns into a shit show. And then you got the waiter who he pops up immediately and he declares space while he very nicely helps everyone in front of him get off the plane, which sounds like a great idea, but he actually makes it worse. Like if he would just keep his ass in his seat the natural dynamics of everyone exiting the plane properly would happen. And that guy wouldn't be in the middle gunking up everything because he gets in the middle trying to be polite. And all he does is get in everybody's way. 
that that'll conclude my rant about what I politely called airplane etiquette today. But I tell you what, man, I, someday they're going to put me in a padded room because I've been on too many planes, trains, and automobiles. I think that's the takeaway. <laughs> I am here cracking up, man, just listening to you. You sound like uh, the, the the old man commercial. No, man, I totally get you. You know, I I learned something from my dad a long, long time ago. We went to a movie theater, and, uh, yeah, we tried to be the first ones down. He said, no, just hang tight, sit here, let everybody go. We're not going to rush it. When everybody leaves, we'll just get up. We have all the space to move around, and we'll get out of here. And I've carried that all all along. Uh, if I'm in a plane or what have you, I don't really care. I'm, I'm easy peasy. I just kind of wait, let everybody get off first, and then – I do my thing. So that's just me. And I think that's just something that I learned from my dad. It's, it's kind of the weirdest things that you remember. Uh, you don't know when you, you're talking to a young person what they're going to remember or not. But my dad, uh, you know, he wasn't always around. But the things that uh, he tried to instill in us, I still remember to this day, just like garbage. I remember New York, uh, everybody back then. They wouldn't really even care about uh, putting things in the in the, uh, the the trash can. If you had, if you ate a candy bar or what have you, you get the wrapper, you just throw it on the floor. I don't know. That was just the mentality back then. This is back in the uh, late 70s. And I remember doing that when I was with my dad. And, uh, man, he scolded me and said, listen, you don't do that. You know, you take that garbage, you put it in a trash can. Uh, said, we're not the only ones living in this world. And why, why do you want to? make this beautiful place dirty. I always remember that. Yeah. You know, it's funny in the same conversation we were having about the bar bottles. And I know everybody out there is Googling that right now, because that was a thing back in the eighties. We were having the same conversation, exactly this conversation about trash. It was just a different time back then. I mean, we didn't have seatbelts. The drinking age was 18. We had free two beer. And for some crazy reason, we just threw trash on the ground and, you know, it's awesome that your dad clearly raised you right with that. And we've all finally come along on that, you know, over, over the times. I don't know how that one. Do you remember? So, I, you know, again, I'm a food service guy and I started working before I was old enough to work. And I worked at Arby's and we had the, you know, back before we had power windows, when we had hand hand crank windows, we had the little trash bags that went on the on the window crank on the on the little knob of your of, of your window crank that you'd put your window down with, you could hang this little trash bag, a little plastic trash bag on it in your car. So you always had a spot to throw your trash. Do you remember those too or no? Am I, I'm really taking us old now. Yeah, I don't remember those. But then again, you know, we weren't, we were in New York. We didn't really uh, travel in a car much until like my dad would pick us up and then we would go with him. My mom never had a car. Um, so yeah, I didn't experience that. That's awesome, though. That's great, man. It, it is funny hearing, hearing different stories about the different areas around the country. It's really great. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I was thinking of uh, the next topic to talk about. And, you know, we were talking last week about uh, Brittany Griner. So um, Dennis Rodman <laughs> was going to Russia to see if he can get her out. What does he have? Does he have connections or what? I mean, first it's North Korea. Now he's going to Russia. Well, I, you know, look, here's the deal. I'm, I, I love I love the way you make me think, sweet Lou Rivera. So I lived in Chicago when the Chicago Bulls made their run. And even more importantly, 
my wife's grandmother was not only the biggest Bulls fan, and and literally on her 80th birthday, they decorated her birthday. She was a Dennis Rodman fan when when he was with the Bulls. She loved the Bulls, and when he came to the Bulls during that run, here's an 80 year old woman that that loved herself some Dennis Rodman. So. So, uh, you know what, man? I don't know what he's got cooking, but I've seen him get people like my 80-year-old grandmother-in-law uh, to really love him. I I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe he's just going to go over there and have a chat with somebody. I, maybe he's going to go over there. and I don't think he has any deep, dark U.S. you know governmental secrets he's going to give away. And if he can go sweet-talk somebody and, they, and and we don't have to give up this awful guy, uh, in a trade, uh, hey man, I'll watch the show a little bit longer. <laughs> I don't know uh, what his intentions are. Yeah, I don't know what his intentions are, but you know the government uh, declined that. They don't want him to go, so I don't think that he's going now. So I think he's uh, retracted on that. I think they're going to get do something to to get her out, and that's probably the case. Maybe he, he has a shot. Who knows? I mean, maybe he can do something that the government can't do. We'll have to see what happens. Yeah, he's he's crazy like a fox, Lou. I mean, how old is he now? I mean, he's got to be getting up there a little bit, right? Yeah, so that uh, brings us into a whole different conversation. It cracks me up because you look at uh, Dennis Rodman and uh, all these other performers, and for some reason, they don't want to uh, act their age. They don't want to uh, age gracefully. They all believe that they're still like in their 20s, the way they look and the way they dress. Uh, for instance, Rodman, he still has all the tattoos. He's got the nose ring. I still think he colors his hair. Um, he's 61 years old, but he never really acts his age. The other night I was uh, watching Jimmy Fallon and they had Madonna on there. And I could not believe what she looks like. I mean, she had so much Botox on her face. It's almost like the amount of fat that Ben and Jerry puts in their pint of ice cream. She is 64 years old, and once again, she's trying to act like she's in her 20s. I mean, when when do uh, people actually look at themselves and know that they've they've aged and that it's okay? Yeah, it is crazy, and and I, you know, we do in my household. We have this this Botox facelift conversation all the time because I I've yet to see anyone look good with that, and. And I always will, somebody will come on TV and I'll say, See, look, they look amazing. And and maybe they've had a little work done and I'm just too dumb enough to know, but they don't look fake. And then, I mean, man, the reality is we age. The, the reality is we get a little fatter. I mean, we, we all go to work on it, but man, some of that stuff, I mean, as they say, bless their heart. When you see some of that skin pulled so tight, you can bounce a quarter off of it. That's just not attractive to me. Crazy. Yeah, I know. I, I don't mind. You know, I think when surgery is sometimes is necessary, um, you know, little cosmetic surgeries, I, I get that. But some of these people go just way too far. And the sad thing is that they look at themselves in the mirror and they think they look good. That's the saddest part. Right. And mentally, they think they look good and they just look awful, you know, which, you know, talking about that brings us to another subject here. Uh, Mickey Rourke. He says that we'll talk about his whole uh, plastic surgery thing going on there. But he talks about that uh, Tom Cruise is not a great actor. 
according to him, uh, he, he thinks that uh, Tom Cruise is a one-dimensional actor, and he doesn't really have respect for that. Um, and I, you know, I never really thought about it, but yeah, I think Tom has been playing the same role in every movie that he plays in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I'll give you that. I mean, it, you know, I mean, let's be honest, you know, the only difference between Top Gun and Days of Thunder is a plane and a car. It's a, it's the same, it's the same movie. I mean, tag, you know, tag out Nicole Kidman and, and tag in Kelly McGillis. I mean, it's the same movie. But uh, man, I go to movies to be entertained and transported, and and I man, I'm not going to vote against Tom Cruise. I mean, Top Gun, I am literally sporting the worst mustache that's been seen since since Trevor was in the third grade, so circa 1997, uh, because Miles Teller made it possible for us to all bring back the mustache thanks to Top Gun Maverick. So I am not counting out Tom Cruise, brother. I'm not voting against him. I don't want the lightning bolt to hit me. Yeah, I think he's a he's a great actor. Uh, regardless, I like his movies. Uh, he's doing great with the Mission Impossible series. Uh, this last one that he did, uh, Top Gun, uh, the new one, man, I loved it. I I went back and saw it twice. Um, it's such a great movie, and it just I, I guess I, I wanted to feel what it was like going back to the eighties. And he totally brought that out. It's very nostalgic. And uh, I really enjoyed that. And Gina did too. Have you seen the movie? I have, man. I have. It's a great movie. I enjoyed it. I, I want to see it again. Uh, I thought they did a great job. I thought they were really skilled too in how they modernized it a bit. I mean, obviously you, you and I don't want to see Tom Cruise, you know, rolling around in the sack with, with Jennifer Connelly, like he did with Kelly McGillis at a whole different time, much older guy. And the way, the way they showed them, it was more about their conversation and rekindling, you know, cause I, I don't know if you picked it up or not, you know, but that's Patty Benjamin. And if you remember in the original Top Gun, he references goose says, well, you talking about the flyby on Patty Benjamin. That's the same girl. So Jennifer Connelly is, is that girl that he references when he talks about the flyby. Did you catch that by chance? I did not know that somebody uh, referenced that. And uh, when I saw the movie, I didn't really get that reference, but somebody had told me that. So I was, uh, yeah, that was pretty interesting. You know, I, I tell you, going back to kind of, you know, is he a good actor or not really interesting. There's a book by Rob Lowe. And as my daughter, who is a voracious reader always says to me, and I'm a horrible reader because there just was no ADD diagnosis when I was young. And so I can't, you know, I don't, I, I can't pay attention enough to read, actually read a book. So I listen to a lot of books when I travel. And uh, so as my daughter would say, with that, did you read it or did you listen to it? Okay. I listened to it. There's a book by Rob Lowe and I stumbled into it. It's an autobiography. I'm not a big Rob Lowe fan, but I like a good autobiography. I like a true story. And so I listened to it. I didn't realize that whole group of actors, man, they all ran together back in the day. Like Rob Lowe and his mom moved to California. They became friends with the Estevezes, you know, Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen and and uh, Martin Sheen, their father. And then the Penn brothers were their neighbors. So Sean Penn and Sean's Penn brother, who I can't remember right now. And and then, you know, Tom Cruise made it world and Swayze made his way into that world. So if you ever want to read a good book and, and really get some of the early of how those guys all work together and gals, you know, you had to me more coming off a of general hospital and, 
you know, she she made it into, you know, about last night and got her start with that whole Rat Pack crew, as they called them back in the day. Um, they really, I mean, they were literally shooting film in their backyard as kids, jumping off the roof of their house and whatnot to, to get their start. I mean, it's a really good book. And they, they I you know, it might seem simple. I, I would I would say more that it is it is to his art form of how he seems one dimensional that that it really is one dimensional. That makes sense. Yeah, they were the uh, the new Rat Pack, you know, back in the day. So let me ask you this. Do you think uh, uh, Tom Cruise could be gay? Oh, I think he could be. I mean, he he comes from that era of, you know, you just really didn't say it or talk about it. And you know, I mean, it's 2022. I, I don't know. I'm, for me personally, I don't care what people's lifestyles are. I mean, you know, keep, keep them within the confines of reasonableness, regardless of what lifestyle you are. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I care more about that. I mean, you know, be, be reasonable and not over the top, whether you're, you know, heterosexual or homosexual or whatever sexual you are. Uh, but but of Tom's era, I mean, that would just not be talked about and shared back in the day. So. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was, and yeah, I don't really care at this point in the game, you know? Yeah, I agree with you. But, you know, there's something about uh, Tom Cruise that's just kind of odd. It's kind of weird. I get the same feeling with uh, John Travolta. I think both of those guys are going to come out towards the end of their career and just say that I'm gay. Um, I think they'll be like uh, Rock Hudson. But, you know, here's my take on that, and this uh, this is the one thing that I dislike about it. You've got these actors and these performers like Anne Hesch, Ellen DeGeneres, Lance Bass. Um, you, you got a performer like Ricky Martin who had that video, Living La Vida Loca. I mean, you look at that video and all the uh, women that he had on that video and the way he was performing, you're like, damn, you know, this guy is hot, man. You know, he's got it going on. And then you come to find out, you know, that he's gay. It's like going to a Disney World and... You know, as a kid, you go to Disney World and it's this magical place. And then you find out uh, as you get older what's really behind the curtain. And I feel that this is the same with these uh, actors and performers. You know, when I go to a movie and I see somebody play a role playing with somebody of the opposite sex, and it could be a comedy, it could be something romantic, um, I buy into it. And when they finally make it famous and they come out of the closet and they say I'm gay I can never go back to those movies and think of them the same way and maybe that's just me mentally uh, probably I should just get over it or what have you but that's just the way that I feel I feel that uh, that uh, they duped us and uh, you can never go back you know and see those movies again the way that uh, you did the first time yeah, I, I get it. I totally know right where you're at. I mean, you know, I've, I've shared on here, be anything you want to be, but don't be a phony. So there's a little bit of a, you know, a non-authenticness in that. And I agree with you on that. I mean, I, I, I like authentic people. I, you know, people that are true to themselves. And then, so you do catch an air that I don't want to, maybe this will be a topic for another day. Cause I know we're about to wrap, but for me being the like in the room, I always get that way around religion and I don't want to open up the religion box, but, but I get like the phoniness when I, when I see, I've just had a lot of life experience with in my own eyes, what I would declare is that's all phony. Uh, and that's probably wrong. And I don't want the lightning bolt to hit me for that too. But, uh, it, it, your, your commentary catches me a little bit like that too. I just, 
be be who you are, and I love you for it. And, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, I always tell people, I don't care if you know you're gay, bi, whatever. Just be happy and do what uh, you feel is right. Uh, you know, that's another whole topic there because I, I've got friends and uh, family members that are gay. And a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, this is a, a life choice that you make. And I don't ever believe that. I believe that, you know, when you're born, you're you're gay right off the bat. And I've had conversations with a lot of people and nobody has really been able to tell me otherwise. But you know what? Uh, going back to that, Mickey Rourke, uh, man, what has that guy done to his face? It, it's just horrible. I mean, when, when, when I think of it, there's Mickey Rourke and there's Kenny Rogers. And I'd rather be old, fat, and, and the way I look today than look like either of those two cats, man. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know. I don't know who the people are around them that are telling them they look good because they look horrible. Yeah, he uh, says that that's just uh, he had to do cosmetic surgery because he was a boxer or what have you. But, man, Mickey Rourke back in the day, I, I had a man crush on that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I will not that's be afraid to admit it. He had everything going. Uh, he had the swag. He had the looks. And he was a great actor. I mean, I totally loved his work. But looking at him now, man, it is just hard to see him, just to look at him. And uh, it's kind of a shame, you know. Uh, he's definitely a good guy. He's been in and out as far as acting, and he has been able to come back. But, yeah, that face, man. It's rough, brother. It is rough. I, I shouldn't be talking about people. I know that's wrong, too. We just said we love everybody. But, man, it's hard to love a guy with, with skin that tight. Well, you know, I wouldn't even boil down to that. I still love the guy. I'm just, uh, you know, talking about his looks and what he's done. And, uh, you know, you just wonder what people, what, what are they thinking? You know, like we were just talking about, are they looking at themselves in the mirror and saying they look fantastic? Be yourself. Grow old gracefully. Man, that's our theme of the week on Cocktails and Bullshit. How you like that? <laughs> well, there you go. Well, we've been an hour into it, so we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Hey, thank you so much for uh, joining, and we really do appreciate it. We hope to see you guys next week. We're going to put out these uh, podcasts on Monday, uh, so this way we can work on it on Saturday and Sunday and get it out by Monday. So uh, tune in. As always, Scott, thank you so much for having these conversations. And uh, there's so, so many things, man, that I just wanted to talk about, and it seems like we get into one subject, and uh, there's so much to talk about that particular subject. But we'll get more into it next week. Hope you have a, a great week. And, uh, Scott, take care of yourself and have a good time in Cincinnati, bud. Thanks, Lou. We'll talk to you next week, and I'll give you a full report on what Mr. Mike Lindell tells me. All right. Let me know, bud. See you guys.